Testament lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter. Paul writes, therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness combined with our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him. And we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems. Because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak, at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, we even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Paul uses this term in this passage here in Romans 5, where he talks about taking pride or boasting, or we might say having confidence in. And at first he says that we should take hope, that we should take pride and boast in the hope of God's glory. And that seems like a perfectly good thing to boast in and to take pride in. At the end of the text, he says that we even take pride or we boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we would say, yes, we should boast in God. That's really good. And then right in the middle of the text, in verse 3, he says this. He says, we should take pride or we should have confidence. We should boast in our sufferings. Or as this common English Bible says, we should take pride in our problems. What? is Paul talking about? Like, why would he tell us to boast in suffering? Why would we take pride in that? It, in some ways, I feel like verse 3 to 5 is, 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 sort of like, is sort of like a coach, like a really old school one who's talking to you. And he's saying, we take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It's, you can picture the gym shorts on this coach and the really high socks, right? Who's telling you, like, now you just got to go through the problems because that produces patience and character. Now go run 50 suicides from the line, right? And that's, I've, I've had that coach before in my life, and I really didn't like him very much, and that's why I stopped playing basketball, but that's a whole other thing. And so what I want us to think of this morning as we think as we think about blessed are those who suffer, is this idea about, about the location of our suffering. Because in our, in our world and in the way we frame suffering today, we, we seem to have two options for suffering. One is to fight the suffering, right? 
So we fight it. We, when, when suffering comes our way, we say, I'm going to beat that. It's a language that we often use around cancer diagnoses, stuff like that, right? I'm, I'm going to beat that cancer. I'm going, to, I'm going to surmount the problem. I'm going to figure out a way to get over it, right? That, that's one way we deal with suffering in our world. Or another way is to avoid it entirely, right? So we deny, deny, deny. We push away from suffering at all costs. We don't talk about hard things. We move away from that. And, and of course, some of these ways are like natural mechanisms that we just deal with stuff that's hard, which makes sense. But there's another way in which those ways that we deal with suffering also, also impact how we think about God. So suffering then becomes either judgment from God, our words being, God, why are you doing this to me? So suffering is a judgment from God, or suffering is the absence of God. God, where are you? I don't know about you. I've asked both of those questions in the face of suffering. Sometimes viewing it as the judgment of God, somehow I'm suffering for something, and, or it's some type of like karma in, in, in how God works or something like that, or suffering is just God's not here. God is not absent. God doesn't care about me and my problems. Henry Nouwen, in his book, Turn My Morning Into Dancing, says this. He says, typically we see such hardship as an obstacle to what we think we should be, healthy, good-looking, free of discomfort. We consider suffering as annoying at best, meaningless at worst. We strive to get rid of our pains in whatever way we can. A part of us prefers the illusion that our losses are not real, that they come only as temporary interruptions. We thereby expend much energy in denial, end quote. Since we suffering that we take on to be annoying at best, meaningless at worst, and, and we think it's just temporary, kind of the denial, you hear that, we just push it away, we act like it's not there. So in some sense, I think that Paul in this text is giving us perspective, right? Later on in Romans 8.18, he's going to say, this present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. Christians have always been able to suffer with an eternal perspective. This is why there's Christian martyrs, because there's always been hope of glory, the hope of the other side. So I agree with that idea, the, the, just the very reality that sometimes in our suffering, the great comfort is that we know we will be with Jesus forever and these pains will be gone. That, that's true. However, Jesus did not only live in a miserable and ascetic way, right? So, so Jesus didn't only just like beat his brow, beat his chest before God, and never actually enjoy life and, and participate in the goodness of life with those around him. But does life have to be difficult to be blessed? That's what I want us to consider this morning. Does life have to be difficult to be blessed? Remember that song that we sing it with kids, right? I'm going on a bear hunt. I'm going to catch a big one, right? I'm going on a bear hunt. We're going, I'm going to catch a big one. I'm not scared, right? And then and we, you get to an obstacle, right? And here's the deal. When it comes to pain and suffering, we try to go back from it. We try to go around it or over it. But you got to go through 
it. That's what I think Paul is telling us today. Henry Nouwen says it this, the way out of our loss and hurt is in and through. Notice, notice the participles, right? Which we don't usually pay a lot of attention to. The way out of our loss and hurt is in and through, right? Not around, not over, not under, not behind, right? It is in and through. In this passage, it's interesting. Paul is really talking, Romans 5 through 8, all about salvation. How, in fact, God saves us and how we participate in that life of God. And in this text specifically, we have kind of what we consider tenses of salvation. So God can talk to a certain degree about past tense of salvation, meaning we have been justified or made righteous through Christ's death, right? Jesus died. That was in the past, even for Paul, right? And so we have been made right with God. He also talks about a future tense of salvation, right? When he talks about being saved from God's wrath, like we will be and like how we will be saved, there is a future tense of salvation. But most of where Paul locates this text is in the present tense of salvation. And that present tense is where we find ourselves. That present tense of salvation is where we find suffering. And that present tense is, in fact, the place where we might struggle the most in our walk. And so Paul uses these words to describe the present tense of salvation. Peace with God. Celebration. Suffering. Hope. Love. And reconciliation. Now, I don't know if Paul is giving a linear order of the way in which things have to happen, like peace, and then you get a time of celebration, and then it's a time for suffering, and then a time for hope. I don't think it's exactly linear like that, but I think Paul is describing what the life of the Christian looks like. And sometimes that life involves suffering. We are not somehow immune to it, much as we might like to be. And in this way, friends, our life, our existence as people on this planet is a life of already and not yet. I already am saved. I am participating in the grace of God. I know the reality of Jesus' salvation and love for me, and I can in time see glimpses of what God's kingdom looks like. It's already here, and it's not yet. Do you want to know why? Because God's life has not been made good in the whole world yet, and the kingdom is not here, and there's plenty of sin and evil to go around, and bad stuff really happens and it happens in each of our lives and it happens corporately and communally and it happens every day right now if I really wanted to fill this place up with people I would lie to you okay and I could I could do it because here's what I would do I could say you know what if you just live a little bit better and you just and you just believe it and you just trust it well you know what then that bad stuff it ain't coming to you it's not real. God does it. God only wants blessing for you. And I'd smile really big and my hair would be better. And I would, and I would have better suits because you would pay me more money to deliver you wonderfully nice sounding messages that are absolute trash in your ears. Because it ain't true. Paul says that suffering will be a part. Now what we have to do is reconcile the fact that Life isn't just 
suffering, right? So a bunch of folks in the Christian tradition, Christian history, want to take it this way, like, like life on this earth should be terrible, right? And, and, and basically, like, I should eat nothing that tastes good, and it should just be, like, brow beating, and I should make sure I'm up at three in the morning to pray every day before I start that. And y'all, if you like doing that, that's good. And, and do that. But that's just not me. And that's not where, where I lay. I think we've got a, a space in between that is real life that says there is hope in God's glory. There is, there is peace with God. There is reconciliation. There is hope that indeed one day we are going to be saved and we are going to be in God's presence forever. And in the midst of this life, there is yet suffering. When we can come to grips and talk with the reality about suffering in our lives, then when it comes, when it comes, we won't feel like God is just absent from us. Friends, from his deathbed, from his deathbed, John Wesley said this, and he repeated it. The best of all is God is with us. The best of all, is God is with us. I mean, listen to what Paul says in these passages, right? While we were still weak, while we were ungodly. I mean, most weeks I say it to you from the communion table as part of our assurance of pardon. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He didn't die because of anything that you did good. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love towards us. And friends, we are reconciled to God. That is our reality. And have peace with God. So even Jesus, even Jesus in his life on earth suffered. And he could have hope because he knew he wasn't alone in his suffering. Paul writes, this hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is the reminder of God's presence to us while we are suffering. All of the time, God is with us. This is the role of the Holy Spirit to draw us in our humanness, in our suffering, that we don't understand into the very life of God so that we too can say the best of all is God is with us. And friends, the promise that we find as we walk this life together is that you never walk alone. There is no one, no one in this room or watching online, or the entire universe, who is exempt from suffering. And this is the problem of our modern idea that we need to fix all our suffering, so in other words, to fight against it, or to hide from suffering and just try to avoid it. Henry Nouwen writes this way, he says, Community, then, cannot grow out of loneliness, but comes when the person who begins to recognize his or her belovedness greets the belovedness of the other. The God alive in me greets the God resident in you. When people can cease having to be for us everything, we can accept the fact that they may still have a gift for us. They are partial reflections of the great love of God, but reflections nevertheless. We see that gift precisely and only once we give up requiring that person to be everything 
to be God. We see him or her as a limited expression of an unlimited love. Friends, when we can be honest with one another, we can find community in our suffering. The church, at her best, is a vulnerable community where we honor the presence of the Holy Spirit in one another. In other words, we go in and through together. What if we stopped trying to fight off or avoid our suffering and instead accepted it as part of our humanness? And what if in that humanness, we honored one another by sharing in our suffering together? That's what gives me hope. That's why I'm in the church. Let us pray. Holy God, everything cultural in us hates the title of today's message. Just hates it. Doesn't want to deal with the suffering. Doesn't want to deal with the titles of daily prayers for when days are hard or for when I feel grouchy or all these things because we avoid, avoid, avoid. God, there were times this week when I didn't want to encounter those things. I wanted happy thoughts with you. I didn't want to deal with the realities of my sadness or brokenness or other people's. And yet, God, this is the space where we live. This is the place where you have us living and moving and having our being. It is in the complete and utter hope of peace and reconciliation and life with you forever amidst a world where there is suffering. Lord, help us to be able to proclaim that truth and believe it ourselves. And God, not to believe it with our heads, but to embody it with our hearts in how we love and approach one another, in that our community would be a community of the suffering, suffering together with one another in the midst of all that life brings us through. And that in that, we might find the gentleness of community. We might find the patience that we need in one another. We might find the hope that you can offer. We might find a friend who has gone through it too. So Lord, help us. Help us in the midst of this suffering life to be able to have confidence, to have hope 